It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Hey guys. Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. We're here this week. Justin on this end. Mike over in the UK. What's up, brother? Nothing, my man. Um, this week, we're we're starting a recurring, a recurring series that we're going to do. It's top five movies you haven't seen. And when we say movies you haven't seen, we're talking about movies that are big movies that like do not make sense that one of us has not seen, especially being film guys. It's movies that would make the other one be like, what the fuck? You haven't, you haven't seen that. And I know that Mike and I both have quite a few movies like that. Um, I know my list, I, I wrote out a list and I had a fucking pretty massive list. And it's it's a fun way, honestly, I think, for us to get to finally watch, get around to some of these movies that we've been meaning to watch for 20 years, 15 years. Or or some that we've purposefully been avoiding, I think. True, true. That's another good point. Um, yeah, what do you want to say about this, Mike? Yeah, no, I mean, it's this this was a lot of fun. I mean, like you said, I've 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 got a watch list over over 2000 movies that I'll obviously never get to see all of them. So there's just a bunch that are just glaring glaring weaknesses um but at the same time you know as time goes by and these movies get older and older i bet that a lot of people actually haven't gone back and watched a lot of movies so you know we'll give you the lowdown on those or whether we actually think they were worth watching or you know you can kind of keep on without it yeah um yeah man this was this was fun for me i knocked off some one actually totally lined up serendipitously where Alex and, and I, we went to like a drive-in movie here and it happened oh, to word. be a movie that I've meant to see for literally 20 years and it worked out that it lined up the week that we were doing this this episode. Uh, that's, that's money. I wish we had drive-ins over here. Uh, dude, it was my first time ever going to a drive-in. Oh, really? What'd you think? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, you got a big movie theater screen out there. You're in the car, you know, with your with your lady and you can bring all the food and drinks you want. And the sound system's dope because you just blast your speakers. Yeah, it's great. It's a great experience. Oh, yeah. But it is specific kind of to some movies, like some movies play really well. Others, maybe not so much. So I'm very curious what you saw there. Oh, yeah, you're definitely right. I'd say the one I saw wasn't like, well, we'll get to it, but it wasn't like the best one ever you could see there. It it wasn't a bad one. It just wasn't like there's certain ones you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. This was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's a fine one. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're driving at a necessity now, right? So, yeah, it's a bit of a different thing. Well, should we jump into it? Let's let's do it. Yeah. You want to start us off this week? Uh, yeah, I'll start us off this week. So my number five, and I ordered them, Mike, I, I, I'm curious if you did the same. I ordered them 
by the like what I liked least to best, obviously. Okay. <laughs> I ordered mine what I think is least outrageous to most outrageous. Ah, okay. Okay. But I, I mean, I, I think, you know. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I Yeah, I feel like... Okay, so I guess everyone keep that in mind going forward. Um, well, and then obviously, you know, like you said, this is we're going to make this a series because once this episode is over, you know, we've exhausted the top five list and there will be a new top five that we must see. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. I'll jump in. My number five is the 1980 comedy Airplane. Oh, okay. Um it's you know i feel like it's it's just such a talked about comedy um obviously you know it's got leslie nielsen in there um and some other actors you actually have kareem abdul jabbar in there playing this other guy but he actually is kareem abdul jabbar it's, it's ridiculous but anyways if you don't know what airplane is it's a parody essentially on disaster movies and it's 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 mike wouldn't you say it's quite a famous movie definitely definitely and it's it's really like it might be like the most iconic of kind of the style of comedies that that came became popular in the 80s yes yes and i have to say i didn't like it at all so i can i probably saw airplane like two years ago for the Mm -hmm. first time because i was equally hesitant and and I, yeah, it's it's one that I didn't see because I just kind of knew that I would not like as well. Yeah, and I I'd say it it lived up to expectations in that regard. What I will say of the sort of airplane naked gun style movies, have you seen Top Secret? No, I haven't. Okay, that one slays. And even as someone that doesn't like airplane, I think you might really like that. Okay, I'll check out Top Secret. Yeah, I thought with airplane, I'm just not. It's such a like almost like a goofy slapsticky type of comedy. Yeah. It's yeah. not my style of comedy. And like, don't get me wrong, I did actually find some of the stuff clever where like in the background it would be stuff that would just make you laugh and whatnot. Like there were some yeah, clever Yeah, and like when he called <laughs> when he calls the Mayo Clinic and yeah. uh there's just Mayo like all behind the guy, the doctor or whatever. But it's just just silly stuff like that and like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar thing. There's moments, but it just I don't understand. Like the critics love this thing. And maybe it was a, more of the time, but it didn't totally do it for me. And it yeah, it, it was it was a fail for me. But I'm happy that I finally saw it. And I, I really don't have much to say about it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to give you shit because I, I really agree with you. Okay, I but love it. I, I will go on rants later about why like I don't actually like the 80s at all. So you've, you've picked the sweet spot. Oh, wow. Okay. Also, okay. in my research, I found that Tarantino is like a noted 80s movie hater, which totally makes sense. I mean, obviously, I don't know which one specifically, but it made me feel validated in some way. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I do love my man Tarantino. So, But I, I actually like the 80s. To a, to an extent, to a good extent, but not not airplane. So, anyways, that's my number five. 
Handing it off to you, my friend. Okay. My number five. So, yes. So, so, again, I'm going from kind of the least outrageous one, let's say. So, my number five is 1956 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, wow. Okay. Which, which is one that – so, I'll say right now that as I was building my list, I kind of developed a theme because, as you know, sci-fi is one of my – biggest deficiencies so i've missed a lot of classics um and this one is particularly glaring for me because it's like a sci-fi horror um and i should have seen it a long time ago and i just to clarify i'm talking about the 56 version the remake with donald sutherland i'll mention at the end um i think more people have seen that definitely but and and they're probably reviewed sort of about the same quality Mm -hmm. but when I watched this one, the 56, I thought it was awesome. Now, I still had like some sci-fi reservations in terms of like, I'm not sure if the rules totally added up at the end and then that kind of like made me mad. But this movie is like not at all as I was expecting. It's like super noir and it um, it plays out kind of like almost like someone's investigating a crime as opposed to this like invasion story. Um, and it's, uh, there's this like whole romantic subplot, which is like really cool. Um, you know, and then it uses this whole like paranoia, like portrayal thing. Um, and it really through a super, super low budget, um, you know, not a lot of takes offered, not a lot of special effects offered, not a lot of big actors that they were able to get. But, it, you know, just through the paranoia that they're able to create in the film and the heavy use of black, it really kind of gets your mind going about, like, who could be a, a pod person, who's not. Um, and they act exactly the same. So there's no, like, cues about, you know, if someone's been taken over, if they haven't. And, um, yeah, there's so many awesome scenes. And it's all in a, a super tidy 80 minutes. So, like, all the development of the characters is basically – through kind of investigating um, the mystery until you kind of figure out what's going on uh, sort of at the very end. And and I will say that basically all of the things that I just said are the exact opposite of the movie that people know with Donald Sutherland. So I didn't like that one nearly as much, but I thought this one was awesome. Okay. Like from a craft, a craft standpoint, stylistically, I really liked this. Ooh, okay. I've I've always wanted to see that one, and I haven't seen it either. I'm adding it to my list right now. Yeah, 80 minutes. It was so it was traditionally shown, um, you know, as kind of a double feature. So watching it now is it's it's pretty easy. Damn. Okay. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that one pretty soon. I definitely don't have 2,000 on my list, so I feel like I can get through my list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. Sweet. Well, my number four is the drive-in that I went to, which was the 1990 film Edward Scissorhands. Oh, wow. Okay. I I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't know Edward Scissorhands, it's Johnny Depp, Tim Burton wrote and directed, uh, Winona Ryder is also in it and Anthony Michael Hall and um, Alan Arkin. But anywho, it's 
it's about this this Johnny Depp plays sort of this artificial human um who has scissors for hands and he's been living alone up in this sort of uh we'll call it a castle pretty much there is this suburban town you know it's very much like a suburbia like all the houses are colored but let like look the same essentially and it's it's very sort of comical in that sense but uh he is discovered by one of the ladies who's like going around pretty much door to door trying to like sell i think like sell something and uh she brings him back to her house to live and it's sort of a tale of him meeting the townspeople and then eventually sort of being him sort of being an outcast comes into play and it at least what i thought was a very very sad and depressing ending to a degree i, I mean it, i guess it was supposed to be sort of happy but i found it very depressing and i I don't know. I I really expected more out of this movie personally. It's like a classic to a lot of people and I just didn't fully see it. I thought, okay, like some of this is funny, like the hijinks with him with the scissor hands. But then I don't know. It just became sort of a mean movie. And I know that it's supposed to, I think in a way be positive, like that he, sort of knew pretty much he like he's in love with like the Winona Ryder character who's the daughter of the woman who takes him in and it's like he knows what real love is by the end so I guess he got that but he then lives this solitary life and I don't know I the, the messaging got a little bit was a little bit lost on me and I just it didn't connect with me I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't love it. And I liked Tim Burton and I liked Johnny Depp quite a bit. So it was a bit of a letdown for me. Yeah, I I'm kind of glad that I watched this movie when I was younger because I'm not sure if it would really be my bag now. And I'm I'm really sort of hit or miss with Tim Burton uh, in general. But this one, it is a lot about, you know, isolation. Right. And it's for me, I'm with you. I think it's. I think it's pretty depressing, but but I don't. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a fairy tale that doesn't have a great ending, at least in terms of like the main characters being able to get together, right? So it's like he he does kind of discover something about himself, but at the same time, it's like it doesn't really work out. No, and oh man, yeah, it's just what's funny, dude. I think about my picks that you guys will come to you know learn the other three i actually only really liked one of the movies i watched oh okay that's interesting and it's really interesting i'd say it's even more interesting because every single movie i watched is more so than not a critically acclaimed film i actually think i probably came somewhere down the middle maybe it's two or three i have to well we'll get there but but i'm the same like there's some that i definitely well, like I said in the beginning, I I'd not watched because I just knew it wasn't for me. And now I forced myself to watch it and confirmed it wasn't for me. So I think that was me with a little bit with Airplane. Still a bit with Edward Scissorhands. I thought it wasn't going to be like totally my thing. 
my next two picks, which we'll get to, I thought for sure were going to be movies I loved, and it wasn't so much. Oh, like interesting. It. Yeah, so we'll get there. But first, okay, got to hear your number four. My number four is this is a tough one to admit. I'm going to be honest. It is 1968's 2001: A Space Odyssey. Oh, so my god okay but you know i hate space how is that not number one that's one of the most famous movies ever made well i've got some i've got some some zingers you know i am i will be really surprised if you can beat out 2001 all right well yeah i'll have to have you judge my list at the end and decide which is the most ridiculous ridiculous oh Um, my god you did it i so Okay, so in case you haven't seen this movie somehow, it's really, really difficult to describe. So I will read you verbatim the description from Wikipedia. The film, which follows a voyage to Jupiter with the sentient computer HAL after the discovery of an alien monolith affecting human evolution, deals with themes of existentialism, human evolution, technology, artificial intelligence, and the possibility of extraterrestrial life. It's a very difficult film to describe because there's not a lot of dialogue. It's very reliant on the visuals and the music. Uh, it has four kind of separate acts in a way um, that are that are linked together. Obviously, um, you know, it's it's one of the most famous and and critically acclaimed films ever made. I think most people think it's it's Kubrick's. You know, one of his two or three best movies for sure, I would say. Well, you want to know something interesting, Mike? Go ahead. That when 2001 came out, it was actually panned by the critics. And it didn't, it gained sort of this cult following. And because of that, it somehow stayed in movie theaters for like, I, I forget exactly how long, but an outrageously long time. Like, yeah, there was a lot of well-known critics that didn't like it, and some reversed reversed their their ideas kind of yes. later. Yes, but but others, you know, haven't. It, but it is one of the most sort of written and talked about films ever. ever, right? I mean, there's so many books and docs and stuff about it. So, uh, okay, so for me, what I would say is the effects are awesome. There's absolutely no denying that, and Really, there, there's. If you were going to criticize the film on sort of the the technical, like the craft of filmmaking, not much to hold on. I mean, Kubrick is a literal genius, and and what he's done here is an accomplishment. Again, there's no denying that, but there's also no denying that it's super pretentious, and no. it's probably. It's probably 30% more drawn out than I want it to be. Oh, my God. It's still super awesome. I thought it was cool. I thought it was really cool. Um, It maybe isn't sort of my taste or style, but the sci-fi in this didn't really bother me because it's like it's very realistic, like probably the best sort of effects that have ever been done, really, and have inspired so many movies since. So it feels sort of really, really grounded in reality in a way. So like that aspect didn't bother me. Cause it was at least kind of consistent, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch this movie. Like, I just don't know if I want to sit through it for another two and a half hours. Not that it's bad. It isn't bad. It's awesome. 
but it's it's just a it's just a bit much. Hey, that's probably the best review I could have ever gotten out of you for 2001. So I'm not mad about it. But I mean, isn't it unbelievable that they made this before the moon landing, 1968, and the space stuff looks that fucking good? Yeah, and and all I mean, all of it is done, you know, in some practical way, right? It's it's just crazy what they were able to do. It's 100%. really insane. And it really does tell, I think, one of the most epic tales. I mean, it tells the tale of, of life and evolution. And yeah. it's like it's epic. That's there's no doubting that. Yeah, it's it's epic. It's it's unbelievable he was able to accomplish that in '68, let alone ever, because it feels like Agreed. it can still come out today. Yeah, absolutely. And it and I, you know, I found a lot of criticisms were talking about how, you know, there's not as much dialogue and and almost in some ways there's not as much sort of narrative, but I didn't really feel that way at all when I was watching it. I thought there was, you know, it's pretty clear sort of what's going on at least in terms of, you know, the story. Mm-hmm. The meaning behind it. I mean, the part that's that's pretty pretentious about it is that the meaning is not shown to you and you know, Arthur C. Clarke, who, you know, there's a whole story there, but he co-wrote it and they also co-wrote this short story at the this, this book about it at the same time. They're not the same story, but they wrote it at the same time. And Arthur C. Clarke said, you know, if you understand this movie fully, then we haven't done our job. And And fair enough, but like I can see where certain people wouldn't react positively to that style of filmmaking. All that being yeah. said – Film is art, you know, do your shit. It's not up to you to explain your movie to me. I mean, this is your film. So I, I totally support that as well. Dude, hey, I I, I like this uh, response from you. I'll take it. I'll take it any day of the week. I'm happy to have crossed this one off. I mean, this is – Kubrick okay. doesn't have that many films, so to not have seen all of them is was, was tough. I agree. I sadly didn't knock a Kubrick off with this uh... – this run but he's got a few that are high up on my list to watch that are probably going to be in one at least one in the next series we do um so number three number three my friend number three for me is a crazy one for me mike so if you know me you know that i am one of the biggest leonardo dicaprio fans out there oh wow okay and there's, I believe this is the last film I hadn't seen of his where he is the leading man. And that is 1995's The Basketball Diaries. Oh, wow. Okay. And it is, it is a young Leo playing a teenager in high school. We've got Mark Wahlberg playing one of his closest friends, Mickey, in this. Leo plays this guy, Jim. And I believe it might have been Wahlberg's first film role. If not his very first, one of his very first. But you had those two in this. And, you know, a few other people sprinkled in. You had Juliet Lewis. Um, uh, who else was in this? You had uh, Bruno Kirby. But anywho, it's a really fucking dark movie. I I knew it was a pretty dark movie going in, but I don't even think I knew how dark. It's it's about uh, Leo. He plays his teenager Jim, and 
he is a basketball player. He plays with with Mickey, Mark Wahlberg's character, a couple other buddies. They're all sort of thick as thieves. They hang out, and and Jim is sort. He's pretty much the star of the team. He's he's one of the best, and it seems like he's going places, you know. And unfortunately, the entire film is about him falling into the world of drug addiction and just completely throwing his life away and it's i mean it gets fucking dark man like oh my god i i really didn't even it never lets up really it never lets up and as someone that loves pretty much every movie leo's ever done i wasn't a big jay edgar guy but other than that i'd say i've liked everything he's been in when I was a kid, some of these drug movies I thought were great and and still are, but like this one just didn't get me. I don't know what it was, but like it was maybe it was it was I just didn't see the what was a redeeming quality of me watching it. Like I never would watch it again. And it didn't make me feel good in any sense of the word, and it wasn't like that good of a movie where it was like oh fuck that was so good that it was like you know but i remember back i haven't seen it in like 10 15 years but i remember when i watched requiem for a dream back in the day that's like another really heavy drug movie and i feel like that was like i don't even i can't even compare the two because again i don't remember it well enough but i just this was too fucking dark for me man and i like dark sometimes but yeah, there's a whole school shooting angle to this one too, right? Oh yeah, how could I forget yeah. to mention the? There's like a dream sequence where Leo comes in in a trench coat, and dude, the second I saw it, the second I saw it, I said, I fucking wonder if this had anything to do with Columbine because I know Columbine was a few years later, and you know, I look it up right away. I look up Basketball Diaries uh, school shooting on Google. Immediately, I see that a bunch of there was like lawsuits about it and everything saying that people think that's what's caused a couple school shootings. And I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, but like it very well could have played a role. I mean, some of these kids at the beginning of when school shootings sort of became a thing would wear trench coats. It is almost like verbatim what you see in this film. And it sort of pisses me off that they put it in there. I'm not someone that ever cares about anything regarding to like putting stuff in movies that might be controversial, but it didn't seem necessary in this movie. Like I didn't really understand why that dream sequence was in there. Like I, I understood what they were going for. I didn't think it was necessary. I thought it was a completely, unnecessary throw in and if it did play any role in kickstarting this fucked up culture we have in america school shootings then then i think it's pretty fucked up um but yeah i i wasn't so into this one i was again it was all right but it wasn't i wasn't big i wasn't big on it I honestly haven't even thought about this movie in like 15 years, probably so long ago. Like you think of like if you said Leo, it would be, you know, 30 movies before I even thought about this one. Totally. Uh, 
but I I don't remember. I I do remember liking it, but I also yeah I don't mind the dark drug movie. But this one, yeah, maybe I'll have to give this one a rewatch. It's it's been a while. You should. I mean, I just I don't know, man. I didn't think this was the one. There's some fucking great drug movies. This one again, it's not bad. I just wouldn't watch it again ever. There's no I mean, reason for me to watch this movie again ever. And don't watch this if you want a basketball movie. Not no. not a it's a misleading title. It's so fucking dark, bro. Between yeah. like the 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 fucking coach is sort of trying to like sexually assault him or like wants to fuck him. Like it's so fucking crazy, yeah. bro. Yeah. It, anyways, basketball diaries, like definitely low on lower on the list of my leo roles one of bottom five for me bottom five. wow okay all right well so my number one and two are gonna be i feel very confident that i've placed them appropriately okay i think number three you could maybe argue should have been four but but i'm not so sure so okay. curious what you think my, my number three is 1995's Apollo 13. Uh, I would definitely put 2001 is definitely more iconic, I think. But Apollo 13 is a big movie. so and It's more recent. So a lot more people, I think, have – it has like a, a tagline almost, right? I mean, everybody right. knows Houston, we've got a problem. Totally. I think yeah. – honestly, I got to be honest, Mike. 2001, we're talking about the biggest sci-fi film in the history of movies. So – I do think that is a definite three over Apollo 13, but I don't want to diminish the fact that Apollo 13 is a massive movie. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Apollo 13 it tells the real story of Apollo 13. Obviously, um, it, it is, I, I thought I didn't mind the, this obviously isn't sci-fi, but it's space. So to me, that's all the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is not fair, but, um, and it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a pretty dope cast and it's very sort of male heavy, even though Kathleen Quinlan was, um, nominated for supporting actress, but it's Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton, Ed Harris, Gary Sinise, uh, big shout out, Brett Cullen, our guy, Friday Night Lights legend. Amazing. Um, but yeah, and it's, I, I felt like this was. For someone that like literally like I, like I kind of am joking, but I legitimately hate space and I wish we never went. Like it does a great job of conveying the enormity of sort of the moment, and then also you know the disaster, and then it becomes like a totally different movie, right? Where it's really just about people, you know, getting their heads together to kind of bring bring these boys home. Mm-hmm. I it is. It is a little bit over sentimental in a way. Like it, it loses. Like there's a point halfway through where like the plot becomes secondary to kind of the sentiment of the whole thing, and it could have been like 20 minutes shorter, and I, and I would have maybe liked it a little bit more. But I definitely, yeah, I think it was really effective, even for me who like wasn't anticipating being affected by it. Uh, I'm, I'm also not a big Tom Hanks guy, but that's maybe like a separate a separate separate podcast (laughs) it's uh yeah i mean you're really on you know even though you know what's going to happen you're really on edge 
it, it really, you know, it's very technical, like very scientific in a way, uh, but they still are able to kind of convey the meaning without you having to understand spaceships, obviously. And I liked that. Um, honestly, I could give a shit about everybody else in the movie because I thought the Gary Sinise sort of subplot was really was that was really what stood out to me in the end. You know, is that he's he's like everybody else. It was not able to kind of get to do what he wanted to do, but then at the end is given this opportunity uh, for redemption and kind of completes that arc, uh, which I thought was pretty awesome. So I, yeah, I like this one a lot actually. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I saw it multiple times when I was a kid and can confirm definitely like this movie a lot. There's just not a lot of bad you could say about it. You know, it's not like one of my favorite space movies necessarily, but it's just such a solid movie. It's, it's tough when you're taking on something big like this. And again, where everybody knows uh, knows what's going to happen, right? Except the, though I did read, like, maybe this is apocryphal. I don't know if it's true or not, but that, like, at one of the screenings, like, one of the feedback forms said, like, oh, this is, like, Hollywood bullshit. This would never happen, uh, which I thought was hilarious. But, like, it's it's tough when everybody knows what's going to happen and you still have to make it make it feel impactful. It's very sentimental. It's really sappy. It's, like, very rah-rah America. Mm-hmm. Um but but they do a great job of it, you know. Obviously, Ron Howard, Brian Grazer know what they're doing, you know, and they stack the cast. So I yeah, I think this is really good. All of our parents love this movie. Definitely, super parent movie. Yes. Um. Well, that's a that's a good one. My number two keeps the sort of sci-fi space trend going, and. You're going to be pretty shocked, I think, that I haven't seen this movie, Mike. But it is the 1986 film Aliens. Sequel. Yeah, so the sequel. So, yeah. so I, I had seen the first one with Ridley Scott. I'd never seen the sequel directed by James Cameron, who really, when I when I think about what I want out of an alien movie. Cause I, I didn't, I wasn't so big, honestly on Ridley Scott's alien and, and I thought I would be, I love aliens. I love space. I love sci-fi. And it was very surprising to me that I wasn't super into it. I'd been told by a lot of people, Oh, you'll love aliens. It's uh it's, it's quite different. And I think you're going to be more into it. Anyways, I saw aliens And I will not say that it's a bad film because it's not. It's a solid action sci-fi. But I was not nearly as into it as I thought I was going to be. And, you know, it's got Sigourney Weaver. She she reprises her role as Ripley, the main character. Um, It's got some it's got Bill Pat, young Bill Paxton. uh, Rest in peace. And it's got. Paul Reiser in there. It's 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 got a nice little cast and um it's very highly regarded. But essentially Ripley she awakens uh 57 years after surviving the events of the first film which, you know, she's quite uh surprised that it's that for much further in the future. But anyway, she tries to warn people about the aliens 
of course, you know, they're idiots. They want to go back over there. They go. She agrees to go with them. The aliens are, of course, there. All hell breaks loose. And it gets fucking crazy. But it's just, I don't know, man. Like, it didn't, again, I, I, and I am someone, everyone, I usually like so many movies. And this one just didn't fully do it for me either. They did. They had some good action scenes. I got to give credit where credit's due towards the very end. The last couple encounters with like one of the aliens was pretty fucking badass. And Ripley at the end like gets in like a, a fucking sort of like a Transformers suit <laughs> and starts like fucking taking down the alien. But I don't know, man. Again, it just it didn't scratch the itch as much as a lot of other sci fi's I love. Um, you know, some of my favorites are like 2001. I love Sunshine with uh, directed by Danny Boyle with like Killian Murphy and Chris Evans. Um, I actually thought Ad Astra was great with uh, with Brad Pitt that just came out. Annihilation, I thought was great recently. Um Bottom line, this was just not fully my cup of tea. Not bad, but thought it could have been a lot better. Uh, but yeah. So I've I've always thought Aliens was better than Alien. I I will agree with you there. Totally agree with you there. And I think I even mentioned on our third episode movies that we thought were overrated and such. Oh yeah, I think you did. Alien. I I didn't. So since that time, I've rewatched Alien. And I now like that one better. I think I just, I, I don't know. I didn't give it enough of, I wasn't looking enough at like the sexuality and like childbirth subtext on okay. that level. I think it's a really interesting movie. I still think there's some weird stuff with the pacing and it's a bit overrated, but I now like that one better and I think it has more to offer. So I'm, I've totally switched gears and I'm now an alien person. I'm going to go back and watch Alien because rewatch alien because I haven't seen it in a while and I have a strange intuition that that could happen to me too. I did Maybe. finish the movie and be like, Oh yeah, I like, because like aliens, because I didn't not enjoy it. I was like, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess it was all right. I was like, all right, that was a better reaction than I had at the end of alien, but I saw alien probably five to 10 years ago. So I feel like if I revisit it, maybe maybe probably closer to 10. I feel like if I revisit it now, I might have that same feeling as you, Mike. I'm going to revisit it. But number two, aliens. Okay. Well. Ready for it. I honestly, when you were saying another sci-fi movie that couldn't believe you hadn't seen, I honestly thought you were going to pick my number two. So I'm very glad you did. Oh, my God. Because my number two is 1985's Back to the Future. What? Well, I've seen it now. Wow. Uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, so I didn't... You know, my family went to the movies a decent amount, but I have, like, no memories of us ever, like, sitting around, like, watching, like, an old VHS of, like, various classics. We never really did that. So, like, unless I went and saw them on my own, I really haven't seen them. And Back to the Future is up there. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't need to explain Back to the Future. Uh, that said, I kind of, 
I guess I didn't realize how little I knew about this movie. Like I just kind of assumed he was going to go to either the past and or the future, have some sort of hijinks uh, and then kind of come back or whatever. Okay. And, and honestly, I think that almost would have been, would have been better in a sense for me. I, I guess I didn't realize this whole movie was about like him getting his parents back together. Uh, and, and, yeah, it was it was a bit of a different film than I thought. Let me just say that. Um, I, 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 I don't know, man. I think if you saw this movie when you were younger, you would appreciate it more, and you would have like more of the nostalgia of it. But for me, this was like, this is like, this is where I would go on my '80s rant about how like everything just had to be, you know sci-fi it had to be big it had to be able to be made into a series with a plot you could write on a matchbox that was easy for everybody to understand and like don't make it more complicated than that and those movies just don't they just don't really appeal to me as much i i thought the effects were cool but then it was like yeah this whole thing with his mom then it was like there's this like super like rapey guy like I just I am curious if other people really think that this movie holds up as well. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, it's definitely not something that I would like, but obviously I can recognize, you know, a certain level of quality to it. But I'm really curious, like have you seen this recently and and you think that it still totally holds up? I've seen it I've seen it in the past I've seen it since living in LA. So definitely sometime in the past okay. 8 years. And yeah, man, I thought it holds up. I do personally, which I don't think everyone thinks this, but I think the second one's the best one. Um, I, but I, I, let's put it this way. It's not one of my favorite movies, like certain other people, but I think it's a really enjoyable movie that I'll watch if it's on. I don't put it as one of my favorite movies ever. It's not like I have a list probably of 50 movies or so. It's not on there, but I think it's a very enjoyable movie. So to let you and everybody know, like, this is honestly, so I'm watching it, you know, my wife was freaking out because she had no idea that I hadn't seen it. You know, I said to her, like, in real time, like, this should tell you everything you need to know about me and my taste in movies. Like, I was really just hoping that Michael J. Fox fucked his mom, and then we would see what happened. Like, I thought that would have been a fine, <laughs> that just didn't happen. And I was like, all right, well, fuck this. This is lame. Okay. I don't and the whole thing about like, I guess there's a meaning there about, you know, you can sort of make your life what you want, but like, it's very sort of Reagan-y. I, I just, it didn't really vibe with me. But then I also, I'm cheating, but I also rewatched Primer. Have you seen that movie? No. Okay. Everybody watched Primer. I think it's from 2004. It's I've like the most, watched it and I haven't. It's like the most literal interpretation of time travel ever. And th- this is my taste in time travel movies. Watch Primer, take like the five days is required to actually figure out what happened. And like, that's where I am on time travel. Okay, I dig it. And I just want to go back on you and just say, I highly disagree with you about the 80s and about that all movies are like that. That's a very specific niche from the 80s. And I'm just going to drop so many 80s movies on you right now that have nothing to do okay. with sci-fi. We've got <laughs> Die Hard. We've got Vacation. We've got Commando. We've got all the reactions. Wait a second. Wait. We've got Rain Man, Dead Poets Society, The Shining, fucking When Harry Met Sally, Lethal Weapon. 
Um, what, what were you going to say? Okay. Obviously, I'm not saying that every single movie is that. I'm just saying that's what studios were trying to do, and it's a studio-driven time. And the first example you give me of Die Hard is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that I don't like Die Hard. It's just that, it's look, it's extremely easy. It's digestible, and it, the entire movie yeah, is okay. an elevator pitch. Okay. Very digestible movies. That's a good. That is a, that I will get on board with. That 80s is all about digestible movies. Right. And I, I just, and I think for me, those movies have like a certain limit. Like I'm, I'm not saying they're bad, but like they just don't have an overarching appeal. So like, yes, like I think Back to the Future had its moments. It's pretty funny. It's certainly not a bad movie, but like I'm never just like going to get behind a movie like this and be like, oh, this is so great. You know, I feel you. I feel you there. I feel you there. You, you can't only have digestible movies. You need some fucking deeper and like, beneath the surface movies as well yeah um that's that's dude that's totally that's a fair take on it i'm not mad about it i'm not mad about it some people are gonna be pissed um holy so shit. is this your number one? Oh my god yeah we're at number one holy fuck um my number one the one movie out of the five movies i watched that i actually thought was a fantastic movie and I'm so happy that I felt this way because sometimes I don't love older films. And that was sort of the case when I, I watched uh, your number one rom-com. It happened one night and I oh, just yeah. didn't do it. I just sometimes I just I, I will admit, typically the older films sometimes are a little bit tough for me to get into. And I'm so happy that this 1946 film was a different a different story and it is the christmas classic it's a wonderful life so as someone who is a massive massive christmas fan i mean we dedicated obviously a full episode to christmas films this one didn't come up i'm sure maybe a couple people wondered why and it is because neither neither Alex, my girlfriend, or myself had seen it, which I know is sacrilegious in the sense of it plays 24 hours on at least one channel every Christmas day. And it's a big deal. It's a, it's a very highly respected movie. I mean, it's rated the 24th best movie of all time on IMDb. And... Anyways, it's a wonderful life. If you haven't seen it, it is directed by Frank Capra. It stars James Stewart, a bunch of other people, Donna Reed. Um, but you know James Stewart, he plays the the lead, George Bailey, and an angel is is sent from heaven to help George Bailey by showing him what life would be like if he never existed. And it the movie more goes through sort of his life. It, it does a really good job of going through his life from being a child to his current state while also teasing us throughout the thing that he's going to need help from this angel. And it is so, so well done. Like, I really didn't know if I was going to like it. There was so much hype. 
and it was masterfully done. It was it was it was heartwarming. It was it was funny at times. It was it was dramatic at times. And it felt even though it's so old, I didn't feel like I was watching some super old movie, if that makes sense. And it, it really it really actually sort of blew me away because, again, I, I tend to not love films, I'd say maybe pre pre 19 60 and so i was very pleasantly surprised with how much i love this i was i was smiling ear to ear when it was over yeah i you know i i not much to say this is a great <laughs> film uh you know big shout out fan Carpe. he's a uh, sicilian so uh but yeah and he made it happen one night which i love so yeah i mean this is it's a Christmas classic. Wait, you know. wait. He directed It Happened yeah. One Night. So, yeah. Oh, my God. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a great film. It, it really is a great film. I, I want to – I don't watch it that much, I would say, just because I'm not a, a Christmas guy. Uh, I will be this year because I, I recently found out just by coincidence that my wife hasn't seen it. So uh, I recorded it the other day. But – yeah, I also want to pretend like I'm sort of above this movie and then like end up crying every time as well. This could have easily been on the crying movie list. This wow. is it's it's a great film. Such a great film, man. I, I great love number it. one. I actually, thank you. I actually laughed because I thought you were going to say somehow that you didn't like it because it was a Christmas movie, and I was very very happy uh, to hear that you like it. No, it's a good one. I I love it. Well, this paves the way for you, my friend. My number one. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> I would say it's this is probably if if two thousand one is like the most famous sci fi movie ever, then this would have to be number two, or maybe vice versa. I don't know. That is nineteen eighty two's E T. Wow! Wow! That is a big one. Watch E T. Uh, also, I just want to I just want to point out that ET is ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but seventy two percent audience. So I, I just thought that was interesting. Ooh, that's for really like one of the, you know, it was like the highest grossing film ever until you know Jurassic Park, and then obviously there's been some since then. But like everybody has seen and loves this movie, so I thought, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, ET. So. I kind of had a similar reaction to Back to the Future, but definitely very slightly in that I just think that this movie is like 100% for kids. Like maybe that's that's controversial and I'm someone that doesn't really watch. Like I never see anything that's new, like animated or anything like that. I just, not that they're bad movies. I just, I have trouble personally sort of getting behind them. But I just feel like I needed to see this when I was a kid. Like I can feel myself not having the correct imagination required for this movie to be as impactful as it could be. Which okay. is again, not to say that it's a bad movie, but I, I just feel like I, I, I was missing it and it's no fault of the movie. No, I, I haven't seen it in so long that I don't know I would need to see it again to be able to say what I think about that take on it. 
I, of course, I liked it quite a bit when I was a kid. And I don't believe I've seen it since I was probably a teenager. So given that I'm in my early 30s now, um, I don't know if I can make that judgment. But yeah, I mean, it is a good movie. I can tell you that. But it might, in watching it again, I could see it potentially being something that kids would relate to a lot more. And that maybe I mean, not be as watchable at this age. Yeah, and it's it's a great idea for a movie. It has the coming of age aspect. You know, obviously there's there's quite an emotional ending that that again it, it doesn't really hit me at this in 2020 at at, at this age maybe is, is part of it. Uh I also kind of thought there was more like uh almost like Edward Scissorhands, but like any of these movies which like someone's kind of coming from some foreign land be it like you know isolation or a new planet or in some way just doesn't fit into society and there's always just kind of a round of sort of hijinks i i kind of thought that there would be more of that and in reality there's only like like really one major scene of that happening which is really weird to watch now where it's just like the kid gets drunk because et drinks a beer which is like you definitely would not be able to put that in a movie today. The kid's like ten and he's hammered at school and then he like kisses the girl. It's really weird to watch now. So like that part of it is it just unfortunately didn't age well, which again I don't blame the movie for. But yeah, so there wasn't really that much like kind of hijinks. It was like a really heartfelt emotional thing. You know, the kid obviously he's feeling isolated himself, so he has this, you know, this parallel with E. T. Um, but you know, again, it's not fair, but just knowing what you know about E.T., you, you know exactly kind of what's going to happen and how it's going to end. So it didn't hit me as I know it kind of should have and could have if I had watched it at the appropriate age. But it, it, it certainly I felt like was a pretty good movie. Hey, that's that's a very fair take, I think. And damn, dude, you had some extreme heavy hitters. Yeah, and that was really – I just went on like a sci-fi run, but they were also like, you know, some of the most, you know, unforgivable ones that I hadn't seen just because I avoid the genre at all costs. Totally. I, for our next one, I know I'm going to have some that are going to make you be like, holy shit, which I honestly not- didn't watch this time. Just there, there were certain movies that just worked for me watching, like Edward yeah. Scissorhands, obviously yeah. I saw with the drive-in. It's a Wonderful Life. Alex and I have been meeting too because it's, um, you know, I mean, once you guys listen to this episode, Christmas will have passed and, you know, hope everyone had a really lovely Christmas. Hope everyone that's Jewish had a lovely Hanukkah. And, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it was a good time to watch it in the lead up to Christmas. So it, it worked, but there's a few that I need to put on, dude, that you are going to lose it that I haven't seen. Dude, and it's like you said, you know, I was building my list as well, you know, from my overall watch list. And it's like, yeah, five doesn't doesn't totally scratch the surface. You know, there's just been so many fucking great movies over time that, you know, and, and like I said, I really do. I'm very curious to see the feedback, you know, from from our audience on this one, because I really do feel like everybody has a bunch of movies that they haven't seen, you know, just because there's so many and you know you have netflix and you watch kind of what's on netflix and all like the amazing tv series we have now like there's just there's only so much time so even if you're not 
against watching these movies like I clearly was in some of these cases. Like, you can't have seen everything. No, no, you can't have. And I'm, I'd love to hear from some people that are listening either on what are some big ones they haven't seen or what they think of these movies that we just dropped. Definitely would love to hear what they haven't seen. Biggest ones they haven't seen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and maybe in the future we'll uh, have some guests join us for these series and see what, what other people out there haven't, haven't watched. That would be fun. I think we should definitely do that at some point. And then uh, berate them for not having seen these films. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, if you'd like to let us know some of your own picks or what you think of ours, please reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram at top fives and deep dives. You can find us on Twitter at top dives and you can email us at top fives and deep dives at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed this. We're going to do more of these in the future. And we'll see you next week. Stay safe, everybody. Yeah, please stay safe. And uh, we'll talk soon. Top fives and deep dives. We're tired of PTM. Top fives and deep dives. We're tired of PTM. 